Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the Bible and Life podcast. I hope things are well with you wherever you are at. It is crazy to me that it is June. Welcome to the month of June. And for us where I live, that means we're entering into summer. If you're in the southern hemisphere, means you're heading into winter or at least the rainy season. So wherever you're at, I pray God's blessing for you and for your family. You know, one of the really cool things that uh, happened last week was um, we crossed 10,000 downloads on the Bible and Life podcast, which is super exciting considering this podcast is only a little over 11 months old. And so to all of you who have uh, helped get this podcast started, who have listened regularly and faithfully, who have given me your feedback, um, suggested even passages to study, uh, who have encouraged me with stories about how it's been helpful to you or how you're using the podcast. Thank you for for your support, for your encouragement, for faithfully listening and for sharing the podcast. In fact, if you haven't done so in a while, uh, maybe just uh, recommend the podcast to a few friends. Just send a text right now. Hey, I listen to this cool podcast called Bible and Life. Man, you should check it out and send them a link or on your social media. Maybe uh, just tag some friends or put it out there and recommend it to people on your social media if you haven't done that for a while. Super helpful just as a way to let other people know about it because this podcast can't help people if they don't know about it. So uh, thanks for your support. Thanks for your encouragement. It's super awesome to me to, to see this podcast continue to grow and and uh, people be encouraged by it. One funny story about this podcast is uh, that my dogs regularly lay in the office where I record my podcast, do my work. They regularly lay uh, under my desk or behind my chair, uh, and they they now know what podcasting is. Yes, my dogs know that word, so I will say, all right, boys, it's time for podcasting, and they'll hop up and they'll run into another room uh, where they'll go lay down while I record my podcast because they know they can't be in here when I record my podcast because they might make too much noise. Uh, and I just find that absolutely hilarious that my dogs, maybe the only dogs in the world who know what the word podcast is and know they have to leave the room when I record. So just thought I'd share that with you because I think it's absolutely hilarious. We have been in a little series on hope and just some of the elements of our Christian hope as they show up in Scripture with the goal of really fanning that into flame so that we would actually live on the basis of our hope. One of the things I'm going to be doing is starting tomorrow, I'm going to release a podcast episode over on my Patreon page for all my patrons where I begin doing a little bit of background study to the book of Revelation. Not going through the book verse by verse or chunk by chunk so much as in just what kind of book is it and how can we read Revelation helpfully as followers of Jesus. I know that's of interest to a lot of people, so I I thought I would let you guys know that that'll be available on my Patreon page starting tomorrow and you can become a patron of the Bible and Life podcast over there for as little as $5 a month. So if you want to hear some of my thoughts on the book of Revelation and maybe get an understanding of how that book actually works and the cultural background to that book, uh, swing on over to Patreon, uh, and I will put a link to that down below, and you could just sign up to be a patron, and you'll have access to that information as well. All right, in this particular episode of The Bible and Life, we are going to be looking at one element of our hope that maybe um, doesn't feel very hopeful oftentimes to us, depending on how we conceive of it. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it's very good news. Maybe sometimes it, we approach it with fear and and in a certain sense, rightfully so, and that is we're going we're gonna to talk today in this episode about judgment, the idea of facing 
uh, God as judge. And what does it mean that God will be judge? And when we talk about uh, God's judgment or judgment day, what is that? And we're not going to talk everything about that. But what I want to do is I want to step back and really help us understand the large biblical vision of the large biblical picture of God as judge, Jesus as judge, and why that is hopeful for us, why that's actually good news for us, why we actually long for that and crave for God to uh, be judge and for judgment day to come. We actually have a deep in our bones longing for that. And that's what I want to look at today to help maybe set the other parts of judgment day into that bigger biblical vision so that we understand what judgment really is all about, all right? And I want to do that by just beginning with a passage that at least uh, points us in that direction, all right? So Acts chapter 17, the Apostle Paul is preaching before a group of city leaders in the city of Athens, all right? And so he's in Athens, Greece, up on, maybe up on Mars Hill, the Areopagus, or maybe at least before the the leaders who made up the Areopagus. And he, in his message to them, explaining basically the gospel to him, says this, Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent because, here's the judgment part, because he, God, has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he appointed, namely Jesus, having furnished proof that he will do this to all men by raising Jesus from the dead. And so this text reminds us that there is a day coming when God is going to bring his judgment to this world. He's going to judge the world. He's going to judge everybody. He's going to do that specifically through Jesus the Messiah. And the evidence that that's going to happen is the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. And so because of the resurrection, uh, we know for certain that, that there's an end to history as it now is, that it's going somewhere. And that end point is when uh, God will judge the world in righteousness according to this 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 message from the Apostle Paul here in Acts chapter 17. And that's good news. I don't know what you think about or how you try to picture it if you try to picture judgment, how you feel about judgment, uh, but the fact that God will judge the world in righteousness through Jesus is good news. And let me show you what I mean by that. There is a long tradition in the Bible, throughout the history of God's people in the Old Testament, there's a long tradition of talking about God coming to judge the world and that being something to celebrate, that being something that's exciting and worth clapping about and um, looking forward to. In fact, let me just read you. This is nowhere more evident than in the Psalms. Let me just read you a couple passages out of the Psalms where we hear this theme. Psalm 96 says this, let the heavens be glad, let the earth rejoice, let the sea roar and all that fills it, let the field exult, and exult is this idea of celebrating and and getting excited about, let the field exult and everything in it, then that all the trees of the forest will sing for joy before Yahweh, for he comes, he comes to judge the earth, he will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in faithfulness. 
And so the psalmist paints this picture of all of creation celebrating God coming to judge the world in righteousness. This is a cause for excitement, for joy, for gladheartedness. Or uh, Psalm 98, just turn the page in the Psalms and the same theme shows up again. Psalm 98 uh, verse uh, seven says, let the sea roar and all that fills it, the, uh, the world and those who dwell in the rivers clap their hands and the hills sing together for joy before Yahweh, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. And so we have this kind of anticipation throughout the Old Testament scriptures about God coming as judge. This is a cause for anticipation. This is a cause for excitement. This is a cause for celebration. Why is that? Um, Why is this such good news? Why, when Paul says in Acts chapter 17 that he will judge the world in righteousness, is he echoing this theme from the Psalms? And when Paul says it, he, he, he says that with like this great anticipation. He says it with a sense of um, eagerness and hope. He says it with these biblical images of clapping for joy and singing for joy in his heart and his mind. Why is God coming to judge the world such a good thing? Well, the reason it's such a good thing in the totality of Scripture is the world is a mess, isn't it? The world is a mess, and it is full of brokenness and dis- and. Um, heartache and disruption. Uh, There is systemic evil in the world where the world doesn't work right and where the, the politicians of the world don't work right and the nations of the world war with each other and tribes fight against tribes and uh, people fight against people and families get broken and there's uh, at a more personal level there's all the the woundedness that comes into our life because of being abused by people being neglected by people I mean, the world is a mess isn't it and the biblical authors knew this and they they in their understanding of the world and their their understanding of the way the world was made to work and their understanding of what went wrong with the world they recognized that in, in all their efforts to follow God, they couldn't totally make the world right again. That, that, that was a bigger problem than, than they were capable of. And so the world is broken and it's full of, of chaos, destruction, uh, wickedness, evil, heartache, all sorts of stuff. The world's a mess. And when God comes to judge the world... What he's doing is he's going to set the world right. He's going to make things right again. And that's why it's such good news. That's why it's such a cause of celebration in the Psalms. That's why all of creation and all all peoples are celebrating this because here comes God, the righteous judge, not just to damn people to hell, not just to evaluate people's lives. God is coming to make things right again. The most fundamental fact about Jesus coming as judge is this, that he is coming to set the world right. And every other aspect of judgment that's brought up in the Bible in in some way is a component of that. Um, And so judgment is fundamentally about setting the world right, um, 
removing everything that has ruined God's good world, removing all the brokenness from the world, dealing with all the systems that are full of injustice and wrong in this world. And God will judge the world in righteousness and he will make things right again. N.T. Wright, in his book on Christian hope, just called Surprised by Hope, great book, by the way. It would be worth you reading if you're a reader and you, you really want to understand um, the biblical picture of our hope. This book is worth your, your time. It's called Surprised by Hope by N.T. Wright. I'll put a link to that down in the notes as well, and you could check that out. But in his chapter on Jesus coming as judge, N.T. Wright writes these words. He says, In a world of systematic injustice, bullying, violence, arrogance, and oppression, the thought that there might come a day when the wicked are firmly put in their place and the poor and the weak are given their due is the best news that there can be. Faced with a world in rebellion, a world full of exploitation and wickedness, a good God must be a God of judgment. Because he has to set the world right again. He has to bring justice to this world. That's the point N.T. Wright is making in that quote, is that a good God must also be a God of judgment because a good God would be a God of justice who intends to make things right. And oftentimes we read the Psalms and when we hear God coming in judgment, we we mistake the idea that we're... we're exclusively in or even primarily in a criminal justice scene. We're really not in a criminal justice scene. We're more in a civil justice scene where it's like, let's sort out right from wrong. Let's sort out what really happened here and let's set things right. And let's make sure things are are put right again. And that's the heart of judgment in the Bible. And so judgment day ultimately is a day where God through Jesus' coming to set the world right again. And therefore, in the book of Revelation, right after uh, Revelation paints uh, this picture of Judgment Day in Revelation 20, it moves immediately to the result of that, and the result is this kind of thing, the world being made right. And so it paints this picture in Revelation 20 of the great white throne judgment, And then it writes this, immediately as that scene is over, chapter 21 picks up in verse 1 this way, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And catch this, verse 4, Revelation 21, 4. Remember, God's making all things new and setting all things right. And Revelation 21, 4 says, And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain because the first things have passed away. And then he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And that's what Judgment Day is all about. It's about making all things new. It's about the the first order of things passing away. Death and destruction and despair and devastation being removed. And there no longer being any mourning 
or crying or brokenness or heartache or pain because the first things have passed away. And so when we think about Judgment Day, when we think about Jesus coming as judge, there is an appropriate sense of holy fear in that for us. It's true, Scripture says, and even Revelation itself in that picture it paints in chapter 20, paints this portrayal of we will be evaluated for the deeds done in the body, whether good or bad, right? That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5 tells us that. There is that sense, and so there is a sense in which holy fear is appropriate. But that's that's like a sub-point under the big point, the main idea of judgment, which is setting all things right and making a brand new world where everything is made new. And so as you think about Judgment Day, do so with the pictures of the Psalms in your heart and in your mind. Here is a day when God finally comes and systematic injustice is eliminated and removed. Oppression is done away with right? Abuse, neglect, um, and all the horrible things that have been done through greed and abuse and oppression, all the horrible things that have been done to people um, in this world, all of that is eliminated and removed. Um, Wickedness is dealt with once and for all. Evil is put in its place and is, is vanquished once and for all, and the world is made new. That's a cause, my friends, for celebration. That's a cause for singing with joy. That's a cause for clapping our hands. That's a cause for looking forward to the day when our king shall return, our judge shall return. We look forward to that with great anticipation. We want to proudly rejoice and exult in that day because our king is coming to make all things new. And I hope that encourages you as much as it encourages me because in the world in which we now live in, man, it... There's, there's even the best of us, even in the best families and in the best circumstances, even in Christian organizations and Christian churches that are really seeking Jesus and trying to live by the Bible, it's still not all it's supposed to be and everything's not right and things get twisted and messed up and broken and there still is hurt and heartache and pain. But all of that is going to be, be removed someday. And there will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain because God's going to wipe away every tear from our eye and he's going to make all things new. Hey, thanks for joining me on this episode of The Bible and Life. I pray that encourages you. I hope you guys have a great day, a great week. Set your gaze upon Jesus. Look forward to his return as he comes to make all things new. God bless you guys and we will see you in the next episode of The Bible and Life.